I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Fabio Vieira. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Match Day audio program. Arsenal versus RC Lance, Wednesday, November the 29th, 2023. Kickoff, 8 p.m. The contents, captain's notes around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, Yaku QER, foundation voice, community voice, Academy Young Gun, James Sweet, around the academy, women. Visitors, RC Lance. Match action, Arsenal versus Sevilla. Match action, Arsenal versus Burnley. Match action, Brentford versus Arsenal and teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. It was tough because I don't like being away from the team and watching the games from home is not what I like either. I had a bit of bad luck, because first of all there was an issue with my hip. Then while I was dealing with that, I got a concussion as well, which ruled me out of a couple of games too. Then on top of that I got sick, so I had a few rough weeks. But the most important thing is that I'm back now and feeling better. I missed some games for the national team too, and I never want to do that either. But we'd already missed out on qualification, so maybe the timing could have been worse. I was able to stay here and focus on my recovery. Either way, I'm back and ready now, and it was great to come back into the team with a win on Saturday. That game at Brentford was what we expected from them. We knew what was coming. They were a strong team defensively, very organised, and they make things really tight with their back five. Basically, their whole team works hard defensively in their own half, even their strikers, so we needed to be really patient. It was down to us to keep insisting keep believing, and that's what we did. It's always tricky when you don't get the goal early on in these types of games. It gives the opposition more belief that they can get a result too. So you have to keep going, keep digging deep, and in the end we got there, which was a great moment. It was a big goal from Kai, and everyone was so happy for him. He deserves that moment. It's been difficult for him at times. But he's been working so hard and he's a big part of this team. He's a great guy too, and he deserved that goal. I was so happy for him. I know he comes across as a quiet guy, but he's someone who gets on well with everybody in the dressing room. He's a funny guy, a good guy. 
so he seems more quiet from the outside than inside. Around the training ground he chats to everyone and has adapted really well to the team. That victory put us on top of the table too, and that's always nice, whatever stage of the season it is. We spoke about it before the game, as something to aim for, because it's where we want to be. When you have those opportunities, you have to take them. It's still early, but it's always nice to be there. And for me, I think the good news is that there are still a lot of things we can improve upon. I don't feel like we found our best form yet this season, and that's a great sign. Being top of the table in November and still feeling like we haven't really been at our very best yet. The main difference now is that even when we aren't playing our best football, we're still getting the results, and that's a massive thing. In football now, all the games are so tight. All the teams, wherever they are in the table, they defend so well. They study us, they analyse really well, and every game is a huge contest. So sometimes you can't play the way you want to, and when that happens, you have to make sure you get the result and find a way to win. If we can keep doing that, I'm sure we will get better and better throughout the season. Tonight it's about the Champions League, and again we have another big target to aim for. We know we can win the group tonight, so there's a lot to play for. To be able to do that at home is great, so hopefully we can make it a beautiful night. We have to improve from when we played Lon in France though. They're a physical team, and in some ways similar to Brentford in the way they defend well, have five at the back and organise themselves. They can go man-to-man at times with the press, like Brentford did, and make it physical too. We learnt a lot from that first game in France. Now we have to match them on the physical side. We want to be on the front foot, make them have to do the running, and then hopefully we can get the result we need. It will be huge if we can guarantee winning the group tonight. It basically means we've done our job in Europe until it starts again in February. So that's our target, and it's another chance to show our strength at home. We love being here. We love these Champions League nights at the Emirates, where we have a great connection with you. We'd love another special atmosphere for the game tonight. Around Arsenal. UEFA Champions League. Posh appointment. On Saturday... Our under-21s were drawn away to Peterborough United in the EFL Trophy round of 32. Because we finished second in Group O, we could only be drawn against Southern Section clubs that finished first in their group. We reached the knockout stages by beating Swindon Town 5-4 on penalties after a 2-2 draw, beating Exeter City 5-0 and then losing 5-2 at Reading. Peterborough, meanwhile, beat Cambridge United 2-0 and Tottenham Hotspur under-21s 3-1 before losing 1-0 at Colchester United. The ties are set to take place week commencing December 4th. Peterborough and Arsenal have only faced each other once in a first-team fixture when the Posh beat the Gunners 2-1 in an FA Cup fourth-round match at London Road on January 30, 1965. However, games in this competition will only be considered a first-team game for the League One and League Two teams, not the under-21 sides such as Arsenal. 200 up for Arteta 
Mikel Arteta celebrated his 200th match in charge with a 1-0 win over Brentford on Saturday. It was his 119th win, taking his overall win percentage to 59.5%, higher than any other manager in our history. His record is now W119, D31, L50, F358, A206. His record over the second 100 games was W63, D13, L24, F195, A109, compared to 56 wins in his first 100 matches. Games won on penalties count as victories. Of his 200 games, 147 have been in the Premier League, 24 in the Europa League, 12 in the League Cup, 11 in the FA Cup, 4 in the Champions League and 2 in the Community Shield. Our former captain's first game in charge was on Boxing Day 2019 and he kicked off with a 1-1 draw away to Bournemouth in the Premier League. He has become the 10th manager in Arsenal history to reach 200 games in charge. It will probably not come as a surprise that Arsene Wenger leads the way with 1,235. The other managers in the top 10 in terms of matches taken charge of are Bertie Mee, 540, George Graham, 460, Tom Whitaker, 429, Terry Neal, 416, Herbert Chapman, 403, George Morrell, 291, George Allison, 279, and Leslie Knighton, 268. 1,000 goals at Emirates. As mentioned in our last programme against Burnley, that game featured the tantalising prospect of 1,000 Arsenal goals at Emirates Stadium. And we did it. Specifically, Leandro Trossard's brave finish from a Bukayo assist, who else, soon to be followed by numbers 1001 and 1002 from William Saliba and Alex Zinchenko, respectively. It was our 474th match at Emirates, and we've scored goals at 2.11 per game, starting with Gilberto's in the first game against Aston Villa on August the 19th, 2006. Robin Van Persie is the top scorer at the stadium, with 64 goals for us, while the leading scorer in the current squad for home games is Eddie Enketiah, with 25. The 1,002 goals so far have been shared between 99 different players, not including own goals. Could we hit 100 tonight? Of the 103 different teams we've faced at the Emirates, Tottenham have been on the receiving end more frequently than any other visitors, 52 goals conceded, and 687 of the goals have come in the Premier League, compared to 128 in the Champions League, 66 in the League Cup, 61 in the Europa League, and 60 in the FA Cup. Terry Venables Everyone at Arsenal was deeply saddened to learn of the passing of Terry Venables last Sunday. The former England manager 
was of course heavily associated with our North London neighbours Tottenham Hotspur, for whom he was a player, manager and director. But at times like this, we put rivalries aside, and we also remembered that Terry was a friend to many at Arsenal. He was close to a number of our double-winning team from 1970 to 71, and in particular George Graham. They met as young players at Chelsea and acted as best man at each other's weddings. Terry was also a player and manager for Queen's Park Rangers and Crystal Palace, and he also managed Barcelona, Australia, Middlesbrough, alongside Brian Robson and Leeds United. We send our deepest condolences to his family, friends and former clubs at this sad time. Anna Scher We at Arsenal Football Club were saddened to hear of the death of Anna Scher on November the 12th, aged 78. Founder of Performing Arts School, the Anna Scher Theatre, in 1968, Anna was a pioneering drama teacher here in Islington, who was dedicated to making the acting profession accessible to working-class students. One of the borough's most influential figures for many decades, she had strong links with the club and delivered community workshops here. A number of Arsenal in the Community staff members worked closely with her down the years, while others attended her school, whose alumni included actors and actresses who have starred in programmes such as EastEnders, The Bill, London's Burning and Grange Hill. We extend our deepest condolences to Anna's family and friends. Tonight's officials. All tonight's officials are from Portugal and the referee is Artur Soares Dias, who is 44 and from Porto. He is vastly experienced and refereed Borussia Dortmund's 1-0 victory at Newcastle United and Manchester City's 3-1 win at RB Leipzig last month. He has officiated Arsenal twice before, in our 2-1 defeat at Villarreal in the 2020-21 Europa League semi-finals, and before that, our 6-0 win over Ludo Goretz in the Champions League in October 2016. Tonight's permutations a draw tonight would be enough to ensure that we qualify for the Champions League round of 16, while a win would secure top spot in Group A. We would be four points clear of PSV in second place, even if they win at Sevilla. A draw will be enough to win the group should PSV fail to win tonight. With the Spanish side seven points behind us, we are at the very minimum guaranteed a top three place and therefore a spot in the Europa League if we were to finish outside of the top two. The draw for the Champions League round of 16 takes place on December the 18th, with the fixtures taking place across a four-week period from February the 13th to March the 13th. Group winners are seeded and will each face one of the eight unseeded runners-up although teams cannot be drawn against those they have faced in the group stage or clubs from the same country. Jerry Cranham We were saddened to hear of the recent passing of legendary sports photographer Jerry Cranham, aged 98. Dubbed the father of modern sports photography, Jerry took iconic pictures of Pele, Muhammad Ali and Jack Nicklaus, among others, 
and also captured some wonderful images at Highbury from the 1950s through to the late 1970s. The photo in the hard copy of this programme, taken on April the 17th, 1971, shows George Armstrong, Frank McClintock, Bob Wilson and Peter Storey all trying to stop Newcastle United's Keith Dyson from scoring. It worked. Arsenal won 1-0, thanks to a goal from Charlie George. But more impressive than that is the sheer quality of the image, considering this was still very early days for colour photography. A true master was at work at Highbury that day. R.I.P. Jerry. Beth Mead back with a bang. She has had to wait a long time, but Beth Mead scored her first goal since the ACL injury that kept her out for almost a year in Arsenal's 3-0 win over West Ham United last Sunday. And she enjoyed it so much, she went and scored another. The Gunners were already ahead, thanks to a stunning lob from Frieda Marnham when Mead collected the ball on the right and fired a similar effort over the keeper. The England forward's first WSL goal for 428 days, since she netted in our 4-0 win over Tottenham Hotspur here at the Emirates on September 24, 2022. She then netted another on 41 minutes, turning and lashing the ball home. Welcome back, Beth. Tribute to Albert Beanie This year's visit to Ypres for Remembrance Weekend, organised by Nick Jackson, saw 13 Arsenal fans pay their respects at the grave of ex-Woolwich Arsenal player Albert Beanie. He worked as a plumber's mate and served as a corporal in the Royal Engineers during the First World War and died in West Flanders on April 20, 1915. Beanie is buried in Poperinga Old Military Cemetery, Belgium. Beanie made 17 appearances between 1908 and 1910, scoring six goals. The group also took in the last post-ceremony at the Menin Gate and the Remembrance Service in St. Martin's Cathedral. Chelsea tickets. Going, going, almost gone. Last Friday, we were proud to reveal that ticket sales for Arsenal women's upcoming game against Chelsea at Emirates Stadium had passed the 50,000 mark, and they're still going up. There are still a few remaining, however, so don't miss out on the chance to experience Jonas Eidval's informed team, who have won eight games in a row, take on the defending WSL champions. The match takes place on Sunday, December the 10th, with kickoff at 12:30 p.m. Arsenal win women's award. Arsenal's pioneering approach to the women's game has been acknowledged at the 2023 Sports Business Awards, where we won the Women's Sports Business Award for governing bodies and teams. The Sports Business Awards recognize the efforts of those behind the scenes who contribute to sporting excellence. Other nominees included the Football Association of Ireland, the Walking Football Association, the Sports and Recreation Alliance, Professional Darts Cooperation and the British Esports Federation. The award is in recognition of our drive to promote women's football. We hosted eight women's games at Emirates Stadium last season, 
setting a then-WSL record attendance of 47,364 against Tottenham Hotspur last September, and twice breaking the UK record attendance for a Women's Champions League game. These milestones underscore our dedication to pushing boundaries, setting new benchmarks in women's football. The award was accepted by a group of Arsenal staff members from various departments that have contributed to our recent success. Congratulations to everyone involved. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal v Wolves. Premier League. Saturday, December 2nd. KO at 3pm. Tickets for this match are on sale to Silver, Canon, Red and JG members via the ticket exchange service until 12pm on Saturday, December 2nd. Arsenal v Brighton and HA, Premier League, Sunday, December 17th, KO 2pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Canon, Red and JG members via the ticket exchange until 11am on Sunday, December 17th. Arsenal v West Ham United, Premier League, Thursday, December 28th, KO 8.15pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Canon, Red and JG members via the ticket exchange until 5.15pm on Thursday, December 28th. Away tickets. Luton Town v Arsenal, Premier League, Tuesday, December 5th. Kickoff, 8.15pm, Kenilworth Road. Tickets for this match sold out to Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 51 plus away points. Aston Villa v Arsenal, Premier League, Saturday, December 9th, kickoff, 5.30pm, Villa Park. Tickets for this match have sold out. PSV v Arsenal, UEFA Champions League, Tuesday, December 12th, kickoff, 5.45pm, Phillips Stadium. Tickets for this match have sold out. Phillips Charity Run Huge congratulations to Philip Ryan, who last Friday completed a 796-kilometre run to Emirates Stadium in honour of his uncle John O'Sullivan, a lifelong Arsenal fan who sadly lost his battle with cancer earlier this year. The run was the equivalent distance from the Galway Hurlers Piers Stadium in Ireland to our home, and to mark the occasion, Philip flew to London with John's sister Linda and niece Abby to complete the challenge at the stadium. All proceeds raised go to Galway Hospice. Well done, Philip. Notice Board Happy 60th birthday to Michael Barton. Love from Tracy, Sam and Rebecca. Wishing Steve Oti a very happy 51st birthday today. Let's hope Arsenal round it off with a win. C-O-Y-G from Mary. Charlie Venosi. Belated 30th birthday wishes. Love Mum, Dad and John. Happy 16th birthday, Thomas. Arsenal through and through. Come on, you gunners. Love Mum, Dad, Josie, Heidi, Nana and Grumps. Happy birthday, Ian Smith. Hope you have an amazing day. 
All Our Love, Lainey, Vicky, Lauren, Charlie, Amelia, Maisie, Chloe and Mary. Congratulations to Miles on his graduation. We're very proud of you and love you lots. Love from Dan, Sarah, Molly, Matilda, Molly and Frank. Neve Nelson's first Champions League game. You are always a lucky mascot. With much love from all the family. Happy fourth birthday, Mika, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Lots of love, Daddy, Mummy and Theo. Happy 60th birthday, Nigel Harvey. Ooh, to be a gooner. All my love, Jane. Happy 40th birthday, Ben. Enjoy celebrating with Arsenal. Love from Jude and all your family and friends. Dearest Izzy, congratulations on your 21st birthday. Lots of love from Mum, Dad and James. Welcome to the Arsenal family, Alba Florence Crosby, AFC, born on May the 9th, 2023. She's looking forward to joining her dad and brother, Arlo Finley Crosby, AFC, at a match soon. Arsenal remembers. Brian Anderson. R.I.P. Brian, a loyal gooner for over 65 years, whose favourite player was Joe Baker. Forever missed. Carl Ingram. Always in our hearts and never forgotten. R.I.P. E.I.E. Lee Fazzy Farrell. A lifelong gooner sadly passed away in October. Faz was a loving son, brother, and dear friend to many. Lee will be truly missed by all. Sustainability Clubs come together. On Tuesday, November 21st, participants from our Premier League Inspires and Kicks programmes attended the first Premier League Protect the Planet celebration event at Anfield. The event was organised by the Premier League Charitable Fund Youth Voice Panel, which saw more than 120 young people from 25 clubs attending. Arsenal were represented by five students from Beacon High School in Islington, along with Gloria, a participant on our Premier League Kicks programme, who also attends the Youth Voice Panel. During the event, the young people attending took part in various activities, to learn and share ideas to encourage sustainability. They were also given the opportunity to showcase work that they had been completing over the past few months to encourage and educate other young people around sustainability. The students demonstrated an online game they developed to encourage recycling, as well as highlighting the impact of the football boot collection they had completed, where the recycled boots will be donated to their school and local charities. Well done to the students at Beacon High School and, of course, to Gloria for representing Arsenal so fantastically at this important event. Seeking Shade Theophrastus Kithunga and Janet Moranja are both employed as project monitors. Their job is to make sure that the neem trees establish themselves and are then well managed. 
Ultimately, the trees will be harvested for their valuable timber, so the trunks are regularly pruned to ensure straight growth. The advantage of growing trees for timber in this way is that most of their absorbed carbon is then retained for the long term in the doors, windows and furniture that neem is usually made into. Meanwhile, they enjoy the shade provided by the larger trees. The neem are planted fairly close together to encourage straight upward growth and the canopy is already starting to close as the trees compete for every photon, although, to be fair, there is little shortage of photons in Bore. Once a dense canopy is established over the next couple of years, the weeding will reduce as the ground cover is deprived of light. Be a part of the Arsenal Forest for more on the project and to buy your own trees for just £1 each, scan the QR code on the page of the programme for sustainability. Together, Jakub Kivior, we speak to our first team players about what togetherness and team spirit means to them. Our Polish defender on how he already has plenty of experience of settling into various team dynamics at such a tender age. Jakub Kivior was just 16 years old when he first moved abroad in order to further his career, and the mental fortitude and resilience he built up during those teenage years have stood him in excellent stead ever since. He has called five different countries home already, and each time the Polish defender has moved, he has had to adjust to a new environment, a new language, new teammates, and, most significantly, a step up in class. And that's what has always motivated him, getting the best out of himself, whatever the surroundings. Having started at his hometown club, GKS Tichy, in southern Poland, Jakub decided to uproot and move more than 1,200 kilometres east to Anderlecht in Belgium at the age of 16 to start fulfilling his undoubted potential. That was followed by moves to Slovakia, Italy and finally England when Jakub arrived at Arsenal just under a year ago. It wasn't always plain sailing, and there have been plenty of challenges to overcome, but all the time his focus has been on his career, and he's now reaping the rewards for years of perseverance. It all started with that move to Anderlecht just over seven years ago, and the defender says that moving so far from home at such a young age, although daunting, was an exciting prospect. I had trained a lot with the first team at Tichy, but unfortunately I didn't have the chance to make my debut there, he says. I only played in the reserves and youth team for a year and a half. Then, when I was 16, I had the opportunity to join a club abroad for the first time. That was exciting for me. I was very young still, but I wanted to go, and so I joined Andelect in Belgium. I must say that it was very hard at the beginning, being away from home, but the good thing was that I moved with my father. The main thing was the language. I only spoke Polish, and obviously in the changing rooms the players all spoke French, Dutch or whatever. I joined a school in Belgium to help with language, an international school, because I was still young. But it's true, it was difficult at the beginning. I was the only Polish guy in the team, most guys spoke French, even the players from all over the world. So when I started with the language, it got easier for me. Despite these difficulties, young Jakob remained fiercely motivated to succeed, and it was only due to a lack of playing opportunities that he decided to move on. 
I spent two and a half years with Anderlecht and I played mainly for the under-17s, under-19s and reserve teams there. It wasn't the worst time there, but still I made the decision to leave because I didn't feel like I would get the chance to play in the first team. So when I was 19, I moved again, this time to FK Podbrazova in Slovakia. It was footballing country number three for the young Jakub, and on this occasion he was flying solo. My father didn't come with me this time, he says. I lived in a hotel when I joined Podbrazova, but Slovakia is not so far away from Poland, so it wasn't too bad. Also, the language is very similar. It's almost like a dialect of Polish, so I could understand my teammates better. I went there for a two-week training camp at first, and after those two weeks, I could virtually speak Slovakian. That two-week camp had a huge impact on me. It was definitely much easier for me around the team after that. I could speak to my teammates. I had made a couple of friends in the team, and also the experienced players in the team really helped me to settle in. I felt more at home there. It felt completely different to what I'd known in Belgium. From a young age then, Jakob has been able to assimilate into team culture wherever he was playing. After not progressing to first-team football in Belgium, many youngsters would have been forgiven for wanting to return home. Not Jakob. His decision was purely based on football. When I left Anderlecht, I didn't feel like I wanted to return to the Polish league as soon as possible because the Polish league looked much different then than it does today, he says. So we decided to go to Slovakia, and the Slovak League was not at all worse than the Polish one. I decided it would be the right league for me to try to start my senior career, to play first-team football, so that's why I did it. When I left Poland at 16, my plan was to play abroad, and I wanted to stick to that plan, even if it wasn't with Anderlecht anymore. We decided to go for it. I wanted to experience a higher level of football, whatever country that was. Jakob's ability to mix and integrate into a new team proved very useful at Podbrazova, as he spent most of his time with his teammates, even after training. I had friends my age in the team there, and we would go out together after training for dinner or for a coffee sometimes, so I was part of the group and that made it easier. Honestly though, we often stayed together in my hotel where I was, or at people's houses, because there was not much to do in that town. So I got to know my teammates well after training sessions. There was a good togetherness there and that made my football easier. This was my first time living on my own in another country. So having my teammates with me made me feel better. It was a big impact on my life at that stage, learning how to live away from home. Podbrazova were relegated at the end of his first season in Slovakia, but Jakub is obviously impressed because he stayed in the top flight, moving to Zelina, one of the most successful teams in the country. I wanted to stay in Slovakia, and also Zelina is only two hours away from Tichy. So it was a nice move for me, and they are one of the top teams in Slovakia too. After helping his side finish second in the league in his first season, then reach the final of the Slovak Cup the following season, scoring in the 2-1 defeat in the final against Slovan Bratislava, Jakub was attracting interest from the continent's major leagues. In August 2021, he joined Serie A side Spezia. Another move, another step up. But by now, there was another consideration that Jakub had to factor in his then fiance and now wife, Claudia. Jakob and Claudia, a professional dancer, were married in June, having met as teenagers. They had been together in Zelina, but this was their first big move as a couple. 
Claudia had a big impact too, because it was a big decision for both of us. But it was a very good move for me to play in Italy. It was a big step in my personal life and in my football career. We liked it in Italy because of the weather and we were on the coast, so we had a really nice time there and that helped us settle in there too. So having the support of Claudia made it easier to settle into life at Spezia, where he was often deployed as a defensive midfielder. But what also helped, he says, was the presence of one of his Polish international teammates. I was aware that Spezia was a special club, he says. Things looked a lot different to what I'd known before. I was in Syria now, a much bigger league. It started a lot harder for me, the level was higher, but I quickly got the hang of it. During training, it was good because there was also another Polish player, Arkadzius Rika, who arrived a couple of weeks before me. That definitely helped me. He spoke Italian, so he could tell me everything. We played together and hung out together. He is still there, in fact. He's a few years older than me and was a big help to me in Spezia. All those previous moves, though, were just building towards last January when he joined Arsenal. Arriving in a foreign country and walking into a new dressing room was nothing new to Jakob, who was 22 when he signed. But coming to a Premier League club, he says, was something else entirely. In a word, huge, he says, when asked to sum up what the transition was like. I never expected to be at such a big club, and I was surprised at the size of everything. Of course, I knew Arsenal as a very big club, but what surprised me was how well everything was organised, and how well I was looked after right from the beginning. It's true it was a challenge for me at the start, but I wanted to take that challenge because I want to play for a big club like this. What made it easier was I had a lot of help from a lot of people, not just players and coaches in the dressing room. It was a nervous time for me in those first few days, but the players were really good with me. What was really good for me was when Alex Zinchenko introduced me to the whole squad on my first day here. It was funny because I was at Emirates Stadium to watch us play Manchester United the day before I was due to go to the training ground to sign. After the game, Zinchenko was down by the pitch waiting to do interviews and he saw me there. So he introduced himself and said, Welcome to Arsenal. Have you met the boys yet? I told him I hadn't. So he took me into the dressing room and introduced me to everyone. That was just after we had won a huge match. He made it great for me because, of course, I was nervous about meeting everyone, but he made it easy. He went round and made sure I chatted to everyone. It was a big help. The whole group was really open and friendly. The following day, Jakob visited London Colney for the first time to complete his medical, sign his contract and fulfil his club media commitments. It was a day made more special, he says, by having Claudia alongside him. I had promised her that one day she would see what a signing looks like and be there when I signed a contract, he recalls with a smile. But we had a dog in Italy that we needed to look after, so it looked like she wouldn't be able to come. But then my parents surprised us by looking after the dog for us, so that meant Claudia could come over and be with me that day. Also, I want to mention a guy who works at our training ground called Piotr, who is Polish too and has been a big help since I arrived. On that day, when Alex Zinchenko introduced me to everyone, he said to Piotr afterwards, You have a compatriot in the changing room now. We have to look after him. He helped me with lots of things, helping me with the language too, so it's nice to have him around. Also, there are a couple of Polish guys in the youth team who I've trained with. There is a little group of us at the training ground who can speak Polish together. 
Just a couple of months after arriving, Jakob made his debut for the first team and has now played 16 times in all competitions, scoring his first goal for us on the final day of last season. Now nearly a year into his Gunners career, he's firmly a part of the Arsenal family and very settled in his surroundings. I'm very happy here, he smiles. I don't live in London because I'm not really one for big cities, but my neighbourhood is very nice. We have everything we need here, and so all I need to focus on is my football. Foundation Voice Arsenal Acts The Arsenal Foundation helped Urban Hope a local charity that provides support in schools, send two youngsters to learn how to be ski and snowboard instructors. Urban Hope's Matthew Barber tells us how it happened. I have been the youth work director for Urban Hope for the last five years, supporting young people in secondary school and running three drop-in youth club sessions a week for ages ranging from 8 to 19. Our work is focused on young people having fun and learning how to build positive mental health in their lives. We had been working with the youth charity Snow Camp for a number of years, partly because of my own love of snow sports and wanting young people to try something they might have thought was out of reach. We'd taken a number of young people to two days of taster sessions in the summer and Snow Camp run courses for those who enjoy the taster sessions to progress through. Two of our youngsters were selected from a number of volunteers to take part in the final course, where they would learn to become ski and snowboard instructors. The pair who took part were both from deprived areas of Islington and have had difficult early years, with both impacted by the pandemic. One of them had really struggled with their mental health through COVID and had a hard time with school. The course was spread over eight weeks and included improving their ski and snowboard ability, plus learning how to teach others to snowboard and ski. Each week, they were at the snow centre in Hemel Hempstead. They would spend time in a classroom looking at the theory of teaching, working on improving their own mental health and building positive relationships with people from across London. They also spent time on the slopes, working on their own skills. One of them went on a trip to Italy, where they could ski on a real mountain and learn from local instructors. They learned teaching skills, and even managed to ski down a black, very difficult slope by the end of the week. The other youngster was unable to go to Italy but had an opportunity to gain work experience at the snow centre. Both of the participants grew in confidence throughout the whole project. One of them was able to overcome their fears. They were initially scared of going on the main slope, but by the end of the course they were confident on it. I think it's great that the Arsenal Foundation makes donations to local charities. It helped us access a project we wouldn't have been able to in any other way, and it provided young people with new opportunities they may never have thought of. It really shows that Arsenal is invested in the local community and wants to give back in ways that you would not have thought about. 
It helps to build communities in more ways than just by watching football. For more information, visit urbanhope.co.uk. And if you fancy a go on the slopes yourself, visit thesnowcentre.com for more info on bookings, events, and conferences. Community Voice Project Arsenal Students Established 1986 Participants since starting over 1,000 Weekly participants 40 plus students Sessions Monday to Friday Available to students that meet entry criteria for NCFE Level 2 and 3 for more information, email Martin Davis, BTEC Sports Manager at mdavis at arsenal.co.uk or visit www.arsenal.com forward slash the Arsenal student. Ruby is 16 and from Hertfordshire. Here she tells us about her progress so far and how much she's enjoying the experience. I first learned about the opportunity to become an Arsenal student through the page on the official website, arsenal.com, and I found it to be a very intriguing concept to study at the club I love. I applied for the course while I was working towards my GCSEs back in spring, and my hard work during that time paid off. I was pleased with my results and I felt that the timing was right to embark on a new challenge. My first visit to the Arsenal Hub was for my pre-course induction in July. It was an exhilarating experience and I was surrounded by some wonderful people. I vividly remember thinking how modern the facilities were. In the few months I've been here, I have already taken part in a variety of activities outside of the classroom. These range from personal finance workshops to hate crime awareness sessions, with my favourite being the gambling workshop. We learn some really valuable things. I particularly enjoy the weekly practical coach education sessions where we get a chance to explore coaching principles that we can later apply during our local primary school coaching sessions. I formed some strong friendships too, especially with one individual who I spent time with both in and outside of college. Feeling comfortable with my group and having good people around me is a big factor in making this experience both fun and enjoyable. The Arsenal staff members are incredibly nice and caring towards us. They are always ready to help and support us, regardless of the issue. Being an Arsenal student has changed me for the better, allowing me to open myself up to new experiences and regularly step out of my comfort zone. The workshops and enrichment trips are really good examples of this. The daily commute to and from the club has also been beneficial for me. I feel more independent and this newfound independence spills over into my life outside of college. I hadn't witnessed any of Arsenal in the community's work before becoming a student here and seeing firsthand some of the participants benefiting from Arsenal's delivery has given me a different perspective on the club. I'm really excited to be part of it. For anyone contemplating becoming a student, I would wholeheartedly say, do it! It feels like the right choice for me, and the benefits over any sixth form classes are evident. The range of experiences and workshops combined with the smaller classes ensure you can get the support you need. Being at Arsenal means you're part of a bigger family that you feel welcome and included in. 
Young Gun, James Sweet, text Brian Matavu, photography David Price and Stuart McFarlane. The Basics, born Wimbledon, September 6, 2003, joined under sevens. Height and weight, 5 foot 11 inches, 78 kilograms. Position, right back, central midfield. School, Whitgift School, South Croydon. Number, 73. Rate yourself. Pace, 78. Dribbling, 85. Passing, 87. Shooting, 80. Defending, 80. Physical, 86. I grew up in south-west London around Wimbledon, and football became my passion early on. I started playing at the local park at the age of four, joining training sessions organised by my dad's friend. I also played for my primary school's football team at Bishop Gilpin, and we were a really good team. On top of that, I also played at Sunday League level, and this further boosted my confidence and ambition to pursue football seriously. I admired the likes of Messi and Ronaldo as most of us did, but I also really enjoyed watching players like David Silva and Mesut Ozil. They made the game look so easy and were generational talents in their positions. My journey into the academy system began at the age of seven. Fortunately, my primary school had a strong connection with AFC Wimbledon, so I was training there for a little bit, and I played a couple of matches for them. After a brief stint with Wimbledon, I went to Fulham and then Chelsea for a very short time. They were both conveniently really close to my house. Just a year later, when I was eight, Arsenal were interested in me, and I knew once they wanted to sign me that I wanted to join. And my parents believed it would be the best club for me. Being a lifelong Arsenal fan, the opportunity to play for the club I support is a dream come true. The most memorable aspect of my time at Hale End would be the tours we went on. Among them, the tour to Singapore during my time with the under-15 stands out as a particular highlight. The experience of travelling with my teammates, playing abroad and exploring the different football cultures was really enjoyable. Flying out with your mates and playing football in a foreign country is amazing. Getting that professional contract was a massive moment for me. It's the dream for every academy player. I went into the meeting with confidence, but let's be real, there's always a tiny bit of doubt until it's official. I'd been putting in the work on the pitch in the seasons leading up to it. So when they finally told me, it was a mix of relief, excitement and just pure joy for the road ahead. Having my younger brother Will on board at the club is really cool. Since he kicked off his scholarship at London Colney this season, we've ended up spending loads more time together in the same building every day. I try to encourage him as much as I can, especially because coming to London Colney in your first year can be a bit overwhelming. But honestly, I don't stress too much about him. He's a top talent and a cracking footballer. Being on the bench against Brentford in the Carabao Cup was a great experience. Sure, it would have been even sweeter if I'd got on the pitch, but overall, it was a stellar day and a memorable experience to be a part of. From travelling with the team to stepping onto the pitch, taking part in the warm-up and soaking in the vibes in the dressing room. It gave me a first-hand look at why these guys are top-notch. It's a major step-up. 
before the game, Mikel had a chat with me, Ruel, Amario and Charles. He kicked it off by reminding us that we earned our spots through hard work and were here for a good reason. We were told to be ready, as we could be called upon at any moment. Even though I didn't get my chance, watching Charles make his debut as a fellow Academy player was a joy to see, and we were all hyped for him. This season I had a standout moment by clinching the winning penalty in the EFL trophy game against Swindon Town. Here's the twist. The day before, in training, I actually missed a penalty. The game was wrapped up at 2-2, straight to penalties. In the huddle, Mehmet came up to me and said he wanted me to take one and there was no way I was passing up that opportunity. It was great to see Mehmet showing faith in me, despite my miss in training the day before. The penalty I was about to take was a big one too. It was to secure the win and bag us the bonus point. Sure, there were some nerves, but I approached the spot with confidence, stepped up, sent the keeper the wrong way. Job done. As for pre-game rituals, I'm not big on superstitions, but when it comes to the warm-up, I always make sure to never end on a miss, whether it's a shooting drill or a passing session. I've got to finish with a goal or a perfect pass. It's all about ending the warm-up on a high note. Good pass, good shot, and then I'm ready to roll. The past. Favourite Arsenal player of all time. Dennis Bergkamp. Earliest Arsenal memory. Training as an under-7 at Hale End. Favourite goal I've scored. Under-18s versus Leicester City. A football memory that makes me smile. Training in my local park with my dad and brother. One piece of advice I would give to my younger self. Always push yourself to your maximum in training. Best subject in school. Mathematics. Player who made me fall in love with football. Ronaldinho. Position growing up. Right wing stroke left wing. Coach who has impacted my game most. As a fullback, it's been Mehmet Ali and Max Porter. As a central midfielder, Dan Michichi. My most clutch moment so far. For this season, it's scoring the EFL Cup game winning penalty. The present. Favourite rising baller, Jude Bellingham. Best attribute on the field. Driving with the ball or crossing. Favourite food and drink. Steak, medium, with peppercorn, sauce and fries. Apple and mango juice. Favourite current Arsenal player. William Saliba. Favourite movie. The Wolf of Wall Street. Hardest working teammate. Miguel Aziz. Most skillful teammate. Charles Sago. Score or assist. Score. Favourite training drill. Small-sided games. Favourite music artist. Depends on my mood. A place I'd love to visit. Greece or Japan. Sliders or crocs. Sliders. Strong young gunners are sustainable gunners. Tell us one thing you're doing to help the environment. If I see any rubbish on the floor when I'm out, I make sure I put it in a recycling bin. The future. A player who could go all the way is Will Sweet. If I could play with anyone, Lionel Messi. I'll be happy with my career if put in all the effort I can and achieve my goals the best I can. I want to make a difference by helping my teammates on and off the pitch. One thing I want to add to my game, set pieces. 
if I could get a degree in anything, history or maths. I would be a better player if I had more confidence in my game. One person I want to meet, Cristiano Ronaldo. One trophy I would love to win, World Cup. Dream first team squad number, 5 or 55. Around the academy, end-to-end football. Our under-21s finished the EFL Trophy group stage with a 5-2 defeat to Reading's first team at the select car leasing stadium on November 14th. Fabio Vieira scored from the spot in the first half and Kion Edwards added a goal after the interval, but the Royals were too strong for us on the night. I think if you're a neutral watching that game, you'd be thoroughly entertained, said coach Mehmet Ali after the game. I thought it was end-to-end football with both teams going toe-to-toe. For some of our players, it's a great shock to their system to see the level of League One footballers. Reading won their other games in this competition 9-5-0. and I'm just disappointed because I felt it was an opportunity for some of our lads to really showcase their ability, and we didn't do that well enough. Not only did our under-21s get the opportunity to play against League One footballers, but they also got to play with Rhys Nelson and Fabio Vieira. Rhys and Fabio were excellent, Ali said. They trained with us yesterday and have got very good mentalities and attitudes. You saw Rhys going for his man and making lots of positive moments, so the players can see what they need to do if they want to get to that level. The Gunners had already booked their place in the knockout stages and can expect to face another senior side in the next round. Ethan and Miles on their way home Academy duo Ethan Ranieri and Miles Lewis-Skelly couldn't prevent England from exiting the Under-17 World Cup in the last 16, after the three Lions lost 2-1 to Uzbekistan last Wednesday. Miles played the full 90 minutes and Ethan came off the bench, but Uzbekistan held on to book their place in the quarter-finals. The tournament had begun well when England beat New Caledonia 10-0. Miles grabbed an assist and won a penalty, while Ethan scored a stunner and also provided an assist. They also beat Iran 2-1, before losing 2-1 to Brazil in the final group game. Academy teams support anti-bullying week. Arsenal's under-9s and under-10s teams joined the cause during anti-bullying week, showcasing their solidarity by donning odd socks at training sessions and matches to celebrate uniqueness and self-expression. In tandem with the players' gesture, Arsenal in the community is supporting the initiative. They conducted anti-bullying workshops in primary schools during the week to help foster an environment of kindness and respect. Arsenal's commitment to empowering and spreading positive values reflects the club's dedication to making a meaningful impact beyond the football pitch. Severe stalemate. Mehmet Ali expressed his satisfaction with the second-half performance in our one-all draw with Sevilla in the UEFA Youth League on Wednesday, November the 8th. Jose Ignacio opened the scoring in the first half for the visitors, but Arsenal captain Raul Walters headed in the vital equaliser on the hour mark from Jimmy Gower's pinpoint delivery to earn us a point. I'm pleased for the lads that we managed to secure a point. It's always a tough challenge when facing Sevilla, especially when you fall behind, Ali said. We began the game positively, showcasing good control and purpose. We intended to work the ball and find ourselves in dangerous positions. Unfortunately, we conceded a sloppy goal, 
but credit to Sevilla, they were lethal in front of the net. Despite the initial setback, Ali pointed out that half-time served as a valuable moment for the team to regroup. We had the opportunity to calm the team down, reset their mindset, and we performed better in the second half, eventually finding the equaliser. It's always challenging for young players when they concede a goal, but our message at half-time was clear. Stick to the basics and let the ball do the work. The goal was nice. It was a lovely delivery from Jimmy Gower and a well-placed header by Raoul. It could have gone either way, with both sides having their chances. I'm immensely proud that our players didn't let their spirits drop. They displayed remarkable character, what we call a champion mentality, and found a way to persevere. While this marked our first point in the UEFA Youth League, it also sealed our exit, as we're now unable to progress to the knockout stages. We're naturally disappointed, Ali reflected. We aimed to perform better in this competition, and we fell short of our expectations. The difference between winning and losing in these games often comes down to minor details. We need to focus on the basics and sharpen our clinical finishing in front of the goal. Sloppy mistakes can't be part of our game, and we must maintain 100% concentration when we're facing strong opposition. On the bright side, this experience serves as a valuable opportunity for us to identify areas where we can improve and grow as a team. Canaries Cracker Our young Gunners 4-3 win at home to Norwich City in the under-18 Premier League South on Saturday, November 11th was a match that reminded head coach Jack Wilshere of his playing days. Will Sweet gave us an early lead, but Errol Mundell-Smith turned the game on its head for the Canaries before we came from 2-1 down to lead 4-2, thanks to goals from Harrison Dujak, Michael Rojak and Kamani Ryan. LaShawn Seeley scored a consolation for Norwich late on. Interesting game, Wilshere said after the match. We had a lot of the ball. It was a bit of a throwback to a few years ago when I used to play, and teams used to come to Arsenal and sit off us. It's a sign of respect, and I think the lads have earned that over the last few months, with the football they've played. But I think we found it a little bit difficult today. It's something we haven't really faced, and we had to find different ways of breaking them down moving it one and two touch. I thought in the first half we took too long on the ball and didn't try to attack in forward spaces and ended up going side to side. Two of our goals came from set pieces, Sweet's header from Rojak's corner and Rojak's goal from a free kick. It's nice, Jack said. We speak about set pieces a lot and the way that the modern game is and how important they're becoming, we have to recognise that and really commit to them, which I think we're getting better at. Will scored from one a couple of weeks ago. Last season with set pieces we struggled a lot, but it's a bonus. We want our playing style to win games, but if you've got someone like Rojak, who gets the delivery in that he gets in, then you have to use that as a weapon, and we're starting to do that. I spoke to Mikhail before the game, Wilshire added. We had a bit of banter about if he was going to score, and again, for him individually, if he can really master that, which he seems to be doing, that's a weapon for him in his career. If the manager is going to pick a player who is at a similar level, if you've got someone who can score from free kicks and set up from corners and deep free kicks, he's going to have a chance of playing, so he needs to keep getting better at that, keep influencing the game as well in possession. I thought he was good today and helped us really build and attack different lines and spaces, but his set pieces are very good. 
Sometimes the best way to protect a lead is to increase it. And at 3-2 up, two of Jack's substitutes combined as Amari Benjamin crossed for Kamani Ryan to get our fourth of the afternoon. I always say that before the games. Be ready. I don't like to call them subs. They're finishers. Because nowadays, the way the game is, the physical demands. Players get tired, so they have to be ready. They have to be vigilant watching the game and seeing the spaces they can attack. And I thought they made a real difference. It's an important message that sends to the group. If you're not playing, you still have a role to play and ensure that when that time comes, you're ready. Arsenal's under-18s are poised for a home clash against Crew Alexandra in the upcoming third round of the FA Youth Cup. Jack Wilshere's team reached the final last season, only to be defeated by West Ham United at the Emirates. Eager to make amends, the young gunners aspire to clinch the coveted title for the first time since 2009, a campaign in which Wilshere himself played a crucial role. Eligibility criteria for the FA Youth Cup dictate that players must have been born between September 1, 2005 and September 1, 2008. Notable talents meeting this requirement include Miles Lewis-Skelly, Ethan Nwaneri and and Chido Obi, who are set to play pivotal roles for Arsenal in this competition. Lone stars on target. Mika Bireth, Brooke Norton-Cuffey and Billy Vigger have all been on the score sheet for their respective loan sides over recent weeks. Mika continued his rich vein of form for Motherwell, scoring the equalising goal of a two-all draw at St Johnston on November 4th. Motherwell currently sit eighth in the Scottish Premiership, but just nine points are separating third from twelfth. In the Championship, Brooke scored the final goal of Millwall's 4-0 win away to Sheffield Wednesday on November 11th, his first for the club. It was Brooks' second goal in professional football, having also scored for Lincoln City during his loan spell there in season 2021-22, also against Sheffield Wednesday. Billy scored the opening goal in Eastbourne Borough's 3-1 home win over Braintree on November 11th, a glancing header into the far corner for the National League South side. Arsenal women. Gunners back up five in a row. Arsenal have climbed to second in the Women's Super League standings behind Chelsea after bouncing back from a slow start to win five league games in a row. The most recent success ahead of last Sunday's home game against West Ham United was a 3-0 victory at Brighton and Hove Albion, who were full of confidence after winning 1-0 at Manchester City the previous weekend. Notably, Jonas Eideval handed Beth Mead her first Women's Super League start for exactly a year following the ACL injury she suffered against Manchester United last season. Although it was Swedish striker Stina Blackstenius who opened the scoring on the south coast when she collected a poor clearance and, having missed her kick, made amends by lifting the ball past Sophie Bagalay at the second attempt. 
The hosts weathered an Arsenal storm and fought back late in the first half, forcing two smart saves from Manuela Zinsberger. But we upped the pace after the interval and, after seeing a number of chances go begging, Caitlin Ford made the game safe on 80 minutes by driving forward into space and firing an unstoppable shot past Bagley. Frieda Manham added a third in stoppage time when she finished into the far corner following a neat layoff by Chloe Lacasse. Before that, the Gunners came from 2-0 down at half-time to beat Leicester City 6-2 at the King Power Stadium on November the 12th. The hosts had stunned Eideval's side by scoring two goals in a minute, the first against the run of play. But we hit back by scoring four goals in 13 minutes after the break. First, Lacasse pounced on Ford's long ball to finish low past Janina Lietzig, and three minutes later, Alessia Russo fired home after an excellent first touch. Ford edged us ahead on 65 minutes with the pick of the goals, a superb long-ranged effort from Russo's square pass, and moments later, player of the match, Victoria Pelova, made it 4-2 from Lacasse's low cross. Pelova turned provider for Blackstenius to score the fifth, and Lena Hertig, having twice hit the woodwork, completed the scoring in stoppage time by slotting home another pass from Pelova. Cup defence up and running. We began our defence of the Continental Cup with a 3-1 victory over Bristol City at Meadow Park earlier this month. The Gunners, having beaten Chelsea 3-1 in the final last season to lift the trophy for a record-extending sixth time, took the lead when Frieda Manham collected a return pass from Beth Mead and lashed the ball in off the crossbar. Lot Vuben Moy made it 2-0 before half-time, with another finish that went in off the woodwork, this time a header from a corner. And although the visitors pulled one back on 70 minutes, we piled on the pressure and Blackstenius netted a third in stoppage time. We then left it late to beat Southampton 2-1 in front of a record St Mary's crowd of 13,438 last Thursday. Molly Pike put the hosts in front on 54 minutes, but Manham levelled five minutes later and Amanda Leachstead headed home in stoppage time. Jodie's back in a new role. We are delighted to announce that Jodie Taylor has returned to our club in the new role of football services executive. Jodie brought the curtain down on her playing career in September 2023, having spent the final three months of the 2022-23 season here. It was Jodie's second stint with us after a two-year spell across 2016 and 2017. Jodie played for several clubs across Europe, the USA and Australia during her 21-year career and lifted the Champions League Cup with Lyon as well as winning the Golden Boot for England at the 2017 European Championships. I'm really excited to be returning to Arsenal and taking on this new role, said Jodie. I love how well-respected and supported our women's team is and I'm excited to continue to drive the high-performance culture within the club. We're so pleased to welcome Jodie back to the club, said Director of Women's Football Claire Wheatley. Jodie will help to support our continued growth and development by working closely with myself, Jonas and the wider first team playing and technical group. As a former Arsenal player and somebody with such wide experience across the women's game, we believe Jodie is a wonderful fit. Beth Sin for England 
Huge congratulations to Beth Mead, whose return from her long-term ACL injury gathered more momentum when she was named in Serena Weichmann's squad for England's upcoming Nations League games against the Netherlands and Scotland. The forward, who hasn't played for the Lionesses since their 2-1 win over the United States on October the 7th, 2022, is joined in the squad by Alessia Russo and Lute Vubunmoy. England host Vivian Miedema and Victoria Palova's Netherlands this Friday, December the 1st, at Wembley, before taking on Scotland at Hampton Park next Tuesday. And Leah's on her way back too. As if she needed any further inspiration, England captain Leah Williamson stepped up her own return recently. She is now back in training with a ball at her feet. Leah, who suffered her ACL injury against Manchester United on April 19th, is following in the footsteps of Beth Mead and Viviane Miedema, and all being well, we will see her back in action at some point in the new year. Get your Chelsea tickets now. Don't forget that we are back in action at Emirates Stadium for a huge London derby with reigning Women's Super League champions Chelsea on Sunday, December the 10th with kick-off at 12.30pm. Tickets are on sale now and you can find out more at arsenal.com forward slash tickets. But do also remember that tickets for this game are included in the Arsenal Women's Season ticket and the Home Advantage Pack. We've sold more than 50,000 already, so come and join us for one of the biggest games of the season. Racing Club de Long. Tonight's visitors. Form 1906. Stadium, Stade Bleu de Lille. Capacity 38,223. President, Joseph Ugolion. Honours, Ligue 1, winners, 1, 1997-98. Runners-up, 5, 1955-56, Ligue 2 winners, 4, 1936 1948-49, 1972-73, 2008-09. Coupe de France, runners-up, 3, 1947-48, Coupe de la Ligue winners, 1, 1998-99, runners-up, 1, 2007-08. UEFA Intertoto Cup winners, 2, 2005-2007, joint winner. Most appearances, Eric Sikora, 497. Most goals, Ahmed Ujani, 94. Back in the UEFA Champions League, for the first time in 21 years, and only the third overall, Long have made a creditable start to their Group B campaign, taking five points from their opening four matches, three of them from their memorable come-from-behind 2-1 win at home to Arsenal on match day two. That result maintained Lawn's unbeaten record against Arsenal in this competition. Back in 1998-99, when they entered as the champions of France, the only time they have ever lifted the Ligue 1 title, they drew 1-1 at home against Arsene Wenger's side on their Champions League debut by equalising in stoppage time, then famously won the matchday five return at Wembley 1-0, although neither side would progress to the knockout phase. The following season, the Gunners got their revenge by winning both legs of the UEFA Cup semi-final, 1-0 at Highbury and 2-1 at the Stade Bolaire, reaching the last four in that 1999-2000 campaign. 
Their second stab at the Champions League in 2002-03 ended like the first in group stage elimination. This is actually Lens' first European campaign of any description since the 2007-08 UEFA Cup. They qualified for the Champions League by finishing runners-up to Paris Saint-Germain last season, which was an extraordinary feat. Seventh in each of the previous two seasons, Lawn launched a remarkable bid for a repeat of their shock 1997-98 title triumph, falling just one point of PSG following a run of 11 wins in their last 12 matches, the exception being a 3-1 defeat at the eventual champions. Lon lost two key players in the summer, 21-goal top scorer Lois Appenda to RB Leipzig and midfield dynamo Saka Fafana to Saudi club Al Nasser. But despite several new signings, they made a dreadful start to the current league and campaign, taking just one point from their first five games. Form soon picked up, though, and they had gone nine matches undefeated across all competitions, including 1-1 draws away to Sevilla and at home to PSV Eindhoven, before they lost 1-0 in the return fixture against PSV on match day four. They are currently sixth in Liga, but did win 3-0 at Clermont on Saturday after seeing off Marseille 1-0 before the international break. Scouting Report Tactics. Lawn have lined up in a 3-4-2-1 in every match so far this season, so we're unlikely to see a tactical surprise from their head coach, Frank Hals, this evening. Settled in their style of play, our opponents become narrow and compact whenever they lose possession, moving quickly to block off central areas with a midfield box of four. Then, as soon as Lawn regain possession, they try to break at pace, using their adventurous wing-backs to provide width and quality ammunition from their flanks. Right wing-back Frankowski's excellent cross for Ile Wahi's winning goal in our clash on match day two was a terrific example of their threat. Only three sides in the UEFA Champions League have delivered more crosses from open play than Lon, who rank joint third for the most successful crosses. Style of play. Hals has adjusted his team's tactical approach for the group stage of this year's competition. In Liga, they are an outstanding pressing side, creating the second highest number of high turnovers in France's top flight. Yet in Europe, they have been prepared to sit off a lot more, registering the fewest of all 32 teams. Lon's wonderful opening goal against us in that 2-1 win at Stade Bolaire de Lille was in fact their only shot so far from a high turnover in the Champions League this season. In general, Lawn have a balanced style. They can be a possession-based team, as they are often domestically, or they are able to sit back behind the ball to play on the counter-attack too. This has been their preferred approach during the group stage. Strengths Lawn are an extremely industrious side that work hard as a collective to be difficult to play against. They close down with aggression, make lots of tackles, and keep a disciplined shape whenever they do not have the ball. This makes them a tough nut to crack under Hulse. Prior to last week's fixtures, they had conceded just three goals in seven matches in all competitions since we last met on October 3rd. In open play, Lawn have the second-best defensive record in Liga, and in this competition they have conceded just one goal in each of their four matches so far. Opening them up on a regular basis is not easy, and their last line of defence, goalkeeper Bryce Samba, is also a very reliable presence. Weaknesses Finishing has been a real problem for Lon during this campaign. 
PSG are the only French side to have registered more shots on goal in open play, but Hulse's men are one of the lowest scoring sides in the French top flight. It has been a similar story in Europe. Of all the 25 teams to have scored at least four Champions League goals, they boast the second worst shot conversion record at just 7.84%. Keyman. Lon are especially strong down their right-hand side, and in forward areas down that flank, the contributions of Florian Satoka are consistently excellent. He has scored three goals and made four assists in Liga this term. The 33-year-old is a natural striker that plays in just behind and to the right of the talented Wahi. His smart movement and clever dribbling skills get him into good position inside the final third, making him a constant threat. Creating four chances and taking eight shots across his four Champions League starts, Satoka will need to be marshalled carefully tonight. Match action. Arsenal versus Sevilla. Arsenal 2, Sevilla 0. Arsenal scorers. Trossard, 29th minute. Saka. 64th minute. Wednesday, November the 8th, 2023. Emirates Stadium. Key moments. 29th minute. Trossard gives us the lead with a first-time finish in the box from Saka's low cross. 55th minute. Havertz bends his shot just wide from 20 yards. 64th minute. Saka finishes well into the far corner after being released by Martinelli. 67th minute. Zinchenko's powerful drive is parried away. Match facts. Sevilla's only shot in this match came from Mariano Diaz after 96 minutes and 20 seconds. They'd just two touches in our box during the entire game. Bukayo Saka is the first Arsenal player to score and assist in consecutive home games in the Champions League since Cesc Fabregas against Sevilla and Slavia Prague in 2007-2008. We've won both Champions League group stage games against a fellow Big Five European League side for the fourth time, previously doing so in 2006-2007 against Hamburg, 2012-2013 Montpellier and 2013-2014 Marseille. Quotes Gabriel Martinelli Every game I want the ball as quickly as possible to have the advantage to go and take the fullback on -on one-on-one This is what I like to do, and I think the team knows that. Me and Bakayo are good at that, and today it's what you want. Match stats. Expected goals. Arsenal, 1.49. Sevilla, 0.04. Shots. Arsenal, 11. Sevilla, 1. Shots on target. Arsenal, 3. Sevilla, 1. Hit woodwork. Arsenal, 0. Sevilla, 0. Possession. Arsenal, 62%. Sevilla, 38%. Completed passes. Arsenal, 469. Sevilla, 256. Corners. Arsenal, 4. Sevilla, 1. Tackles, 1. Arsenal, 6. Sevilla, 16. Offsides. Arsenal, 1. Sevilla, 2. Yellow cards, Arsenal 2, Sevilla 3. Red cards, Arsenal 0, 
Sevilla, zero. Match action. Premier League, Saturday, 11th of November 2023, 3pm, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 3, Trossard 45 plus 1, assist Saka, Saliba 57, assist Trossard, Sinchenko 74, Burnley 1, Brownhill 54. Match stats, expected goals, AFC 1.95, BFC 0.32, shots AFC 16, BFC 8, Shots on target, AFC 6, BFC 5. Hit woodwork, AFC 2, BFC 0. Possession, AFC 64%, BFC 36%. Completed passes, AFC 480, BFC 265. Corners, AFC 13, BFC 3. Tackles 1, AFC 8. BFC 8. Offsides AFC 3. BFC 2. Yellow cards AFC 0. BFC 1. Red cards AFC 1. BFC 0. Key moments 45. Trossard bravely turns in Saka's cross for the opener. 54. Brownhill scores with a deflected shot to level. 57. Saliba heads in Trossard's corner. 74. Sinchenko leaps to volley in from another corner. 83. Vieira is sent off for a reckless challenge on Brownhill. Match facts. Leandro Trossard's opener was the 1,000th goal we have scored at Emirates Stadium. All seven of Trossard's Arsenal goals so far have been assisted by Bukayo Saka. We are unbeaten in our last 38 home games against newly promoted sides. Quotes Mikel Arteta I'm really happy with the result, especially with the performance after playing 72 hours ago. With the last three games, how we played against Newcastle, how we played against Sevilla, how we played today, how dominant we were against teams who are very hard to dominate, the amount of situations that we dominated, I think we fully deserve to win the game. Match Action Premier League, Saturday the 25th of November 2023, 5.30pm, GTEC Community Stadium. Brentford 0, Arsenal 1, Havertz 89, A. Saka. Key moments. 14. Rice clears off the line from Mbwemo. 43. Trossard scores, but the goal is ruled out for a narrow offside. 77. Zinchenko blocks on the line from Mope. 85. Enketier shoots straight at Flecken. 89. Havertz heads home Saka's pinpoint cross. Match Facts This was Mikel Arteta's 200th game in charge and his 119th win. We have had 10 goals scored via substitutes this season in all competitions, the joint most of any Premier League side. 
Brighton also 10. We extend our run to 17 games unbeaten in London derbies in the competition. W 12 D 5. Quotes. Mikel Arteta. We knew that was going to be the case. A grind. I'm so happy how much the team wants it, how prepared they were. We knew we were coming to a really tough place today after having the opportunity to go top. And the team showed an incredible mentality, the way they competed, the way they play, and we fully deserve to win the game. Match stats. Expected goals. Brentford 1.19. Arsenal 1.65. Shots. Brentford 9. Arsenal 15. Shots on target. Brentford 3. Arsenal 4. Hit woodwork. Brentford 0. Arsenal 0. Possession. Brentford 36%. Arsenal 64%. Completed passes. Brentford 298. Arsenal 508. Corners. Brentford 1. Arsenal 8. Tackles 1. Brentford 14. Arsenal 8. Offsides. Brentford 2. Arsenal 3. Yellow cards. Brentford 1. Arsenal 1. Red cards. Brentford 0. Arsenal 0. Teams. For Arsenal. Manager. Mikel Arteta. Shirt. Red with white sleeves. Shorts. White. Socks. White. 1. Aaron Ramsdale. Goalkeeper. 2. William Saliba. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bakayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emile Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli. 14. Eddie Nekataya. 15. Jacob Kiwior. 17. Cedric Soares. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 19. Leandro Trossard. 20. Jorginho. 21. Fabio Vieira. 22. David Raya, goalkeeper. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed El Neni. 29. Kai Havertz. 31. Karl Hein, goalkeeper. 35. Alexander Zinchenko. 41. Declan Rice. 45. Amario Cozier Jubri. 54. James Hilson, goalkeeper. 72. Lino Sousa. For RC Lon, head coach, Frank Hayes. Shirt, black. Shorts, black. Socks, black. 2. Ruben Aguilar. 3. Diva Machado. 4. Kevin Danso. 6. Salis Abdul Samed. 7. Florian Sotoka. 9. Elie Wahi. 10. David Pereira da Costa.
11. Angelo Fulgini. 14. Facundo Medina. 16. John Louis Lecker, goalkeeper. 18. Andy Diouf. 20. Fetu Mayuasa. 21. Masadio Haidara. 22. Wesley Said. 23. Neil El Anawi. 24. Jonathan Grady. 25. Abdukadir Kushinov. 26. Nampali Mendy. 27. Morgan Gilavogi. 28. Adrian Thomason. 29. Premislaw Frankowski. 30. Bryce Samba, goalkeeper. 32. Ayanda Sishuba. 33. Fode Sila. 40. Yannick Pandor, goalkeeper. Tonight's other UEFA Champions League fixtures. 8pm and less stated. Galatasaray vs Manchester United. 5.45pm. Sevilla vs PSV. 5.45pm. Bayern Munich vs Copenhagen. Real Madrid vs Napoli. Braga vs Union Berlin. Benfica vs Inter Milan. Real Sociedad vs Salzburg. No Room for Racism. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Emirates, Arsenal official partner, travel with peace of mind, fly better. Why ask the barrister if you can be the barrister? Lavazza coffee machine from £1. Discover more at lavazza.co.uk. Soak in. Arsenal FC, official money transfer partner. Supercharge your global payments and money transfers. Visit Sokin.com. Sokin is a trading name and a registered trademark of Plato Capital Limited. For further information on accessing the Sokin app and related payment services in your country of residence, please refer to www.sokin.com. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 